Hi, everyone. Welcome to another great session of Green Nickel 101, your source for eco-friendly EV nickel discussions. My name is Leo. I'll be your host today. And I'm John. Hey, John. How you doing? Pretty good. How about uh, you, Leo? Fantastic. Thanks for asking. Today's episode, we're going to focus on the future of green mining. But before we go there, let's quickly recap our previous episode, uh, Junior Nickel Mining. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about what it is, what's, what is junior mining in general, how difficult it can be to raise financing. And what differentiates one project from another. Yep. I think we had three things that we focused on that we felt were of paramount importance when assessing one project over another. Uh, if my recollection Resource serves, grading, I'll help you resource out. Resource grading, exactly. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and resource grading was all about, you know, finding out what's under the ground. Uh, through How many tons of earth do you have to move to get a percentage of the resource that you're looking for. Yeah, and you really need that to get an ROI out of the project, right? Absolutely. To understand what your return on your investment Which is. Which is why we talked about the preliminary economic assessment and how important an early stage document mm -hmm. that is in assessing your potential investment opportunities. And then, just for me to jump in here, market capitalization. You know, uh, how do you differentiate one opportunity as an investor over another, you got to look not just at the price, you got to look at how many outstanding shares. Shares are. outstanding times right. share price. Right. Gives you market cap. Yeah. And then finally, CapEx, right? Cap Capital price. expenditure. How long will it take for this mine to become productive? And how much money, how much do you, money have you have to put into it? Are we it? talking billions of dollars right. or hundreds of millions of dollars? Right. All important pieces of information that, again, when you're looking at these junior mining opportunities, uh, they're going down the road towards right. production. Billion dollar, ten years, big difference than yeah. you know, you know, half a million dollar or half a billion dollars over the next two, three years, right? Mm -hmm. Big difference. I'd like to know that kind of stuff. Well, with that said, let's move on to this week's discussion: the future of green mining. This is an interesting topic because you know, as an investor, I want to have a say in what the future holds and how we're going to be able to do things in a much more eco-friendly, sustainable, corporate, responsible way. Well, green is the theme in every aspect of our lives today. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all about doing what you're doing in a socially, environmentally responsible manner. And we can make a difference as investors yeah. because we get to choose where we fund and how we fund Project. So look, from a from a junior mining perspective, if I have an opportunity to invest in one mine over another, one investment over another, or any stock for that matter, mm -hmm. I want to make sure it checks off a few checkboxes off my list. Carbon, and those checkboxes- Carbon footprint. Carbon uh, footprint, making sure we're not uh, polluting the environment, making sure that we're not discluding- uh, certain people. We've engaged local indigenous people. So I think the theme of, of, you know, green mining or green anything is really a catch-all phrase. It is. It garners a lot of attention from mm -hmm. an investor point of view. But what does it really mean? And I think to me, it means that although the profit motive is important, and it has in a capitalistic society, it has been very important sure. over the past it shouldn't years. be the only. You got it, exactly. It shouldn't be the only or even the primary. Like, I mean, listen, I, I, like anybody else, love to make money. But if we keep that and only focus on that, 
we're going to be doing things the way we've been doing things over the last, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of years, which hasn't really fared well for our Not for Earth. the environment, climate change. I mean, Social, yeah. you know, factors and all kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. we broke down a few different sections or areas when it comes to, you know, mining. And there could be more. And please, audience members, uh, fill in the gaps where we haven't. But let's focus, first of all, on equipment. Mm-hmm. When you think of a traditional mine, I'm thinking of these diesel guzzling, you know, big trucks, big equipment mm-hmm. uh, that are just pumping fumes into the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's messy to get diesel to these sites. Spills can happen, all that sort of stuff. Some of the larger projects out there, you know, I guess it would be difficult to imagine uh, this process being used in the early stages of a project. But once there's a true uh, production decision that's been made, and all of these factors would be incorporated in the bankable feasibility study. But a lot of the the major senior miners out there are Mm -hmm. utilizing electric... Electrification of equipment. Most of the mining equipment, uh, or certainly a large percentage of it, utilizes battery power, so... Right. So, you know, it's funny. Uh, We're talking about extracting metals and minerals to produce batteries to power electric vehicles, which will in turn be used in the mining of those ores. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? Uh, Great article here from um, Parker. uh, Parker Parker.com. Electric mining equipment is poised to power the industry. Talking about, you know, reasons and how we can switch to electric mining equipment. Um, and we're talking not just the trucks that pull the ore out, the tailings and that sort of stuff that where you extract the yeah. ores, but we're talking about ventilation infrastructure. We're talking, and we talked about this in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking about, you know, all well, apparently 30% of the cost that goes into uh, a mine mm-hmm. is uh, pertaining to ventilation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're deep in the earth's crust and you're extracting ores or resources or minerals, you know, the, the logic of utilizing diesel equipment down there makes no sense. Seems counterproductive. Yeah, and I think we said this so. in one or two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this exact yeah. same thing. So the electrification of equipment, super important. Um, we're going to have uh, links to all these articles, everybody, in our bio. The digitization of assets and data. So, you know, when you're talking from smart, um, smart data or, you know, technology that can be used in a mine, you know, the old days, it's like people moving tailings, extracting ores with these trucks that burn diesel. They, you know, they they separate the ores. The ores go one way, the tailings go another. They're usually having to uh, be mixed with polluted, uh, you know, wastewater behind a dam of some sort. And it creates a big mess, right? But more importantly, on the logistics and automation side, there's a huge amount of efficiencies we can find mm-hmm. by using modern technology. Digitization of assets and data will include automation of processes, right? Um, Digitization of data, you know, we've heard of the Internet of Things, IoT, data mining, using some data science, using artificial intelligence, machine learning with Mm -hmm. real data to decide what equipment needs to be or assets or resources need to be where at any given time to efficiently extract the ore in the most efficient way possible, mm-hmm. thereby making more money for the investors and also not creating as much waste. Makes sense. Yeah. And then uh, let's jump into power generation and sourcing. This is a big one uh, with the mini grid. You want to jump into this one? 
Well, you know, when you're looking at a project, uh, more often than not, mining projects are located in remote areas. So mm -hmm. uh, to facilitate... Hundreds the, of miles from the power grid or They wherever. could very well be, yeah. Mm -hmm. So to facilitate the mining process itself, how are we... Generating power? the site, yeah. you know? And, you know, this, this plays into the whole count, uh, carbon footprint equation as well. You know, are we bringing hydro lines in to bring power into the site 10, 20, 50 kilometers, cutting down? Or even hundreds of Hundreds right? of trees mm -hmm. affects the carbon footprint. Or is there an opportunity to actually generate power on site? Mm -hmm. uh, and there's the now in the old ways they would power by using fossil fuels, right? well, like generators, diesel again. yeah, diesel generators and things of that. So nature, here we are sure. burning fossil fuels to create electricity to power, like you know, the quarters for mm -hmm. the uh, the folks that are working there, and obviously they need places to sleep, places to eat, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So what do you suggest well, instead a lot of, of that? The, the beauty of Technology, I've said this time and time again, technology evolves and advances. It's forward-looking. And, um, you know, the electric vehicle wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the efficiencies in the battery, mm -hmm. which we'll get to. Mm -hmm. But that efficiency can also be applied on-site for what, what a mini-grid is, is a, a facility mm -hmm. that generates power, a mini-electrical grid, mm -hmm. as opposed to tapping into the municipal uh, power grid. Power grid, right? Mm -hmm. So, and what it could involve, you know, solar panels have become much more efficient over mm -hmm. the past five years. Batteries have certainly become more efficient. So mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're collecting power via predominantly solar, solar, but it could be wind. Wind. And storing it in a... Even in, hydro, there could be some hydro opportunity close by where you have high-level water, yeah. you know, areas that could be used to generate turbines with the water flow to, yeah. you know... It's like free power, basically. It's sure, not free and, power, and you're, you're generating like the power. power. You're storing it mm -hmm. in a facility on site, which ah. then could be utilized to not only power up camp facilities, but also how are you recharging your electric vehicles that you have on site? Mm -hmm. You know, are you so I mean, it's a common sense equation. Yeah, that's good. So power generation and sourcing is another little checkbox I mm -hmm. can look for in you know in opportunities, investment opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, how about governance and profitability? So at the at the end of the day, we got to make sure it's profitable. I mean, all this sounds great, John, but if we we can't be profitable, we know very well this is not going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. No one wants to invest in something that they're not going to get a greater value out of down the road. Um, so on the governance side, uh, doing a lot of reading here on environmental social governance standards. As an investor, from that point of view, you look at... Um, you know, these investments and opportunities, how they impact the environment, how they, you know, impact social social concerns. Well, the word governance is important because at the end of the day, the human equation mm -hmm. is not perfect. It's flawed. So mm -hmm. you can have a lot of people out there, a lot of companies saying, yeah, we're green, we're carbon neutral, zero carbon footprint. But how do you really know for sure? So it would be nice to know that there is some governing body that is, that is uh, I don't know, we want to use the word enforcing, but validating mm -hmm. the data to ensure that the project meets the standards that are being mm -hmm. presented by the, the... And we're talking about not just uh, corporate governance, we're talking about government, both on a federal and a state or provincial and municipal level as well. So mm -hmm. we need buy-in from all governing bodies to be able to facilitate and reward, 
you know, uh, those the, the guys that are doing it right, that yeah. are doing it right and following those corporate, mm-hmm. what do they, what do they call that? The corporate sustainable or corporate, uh, you know, responsible kind of, uh, methods, right? Mm-hmm. And because we do have a say as consumers and investors where we buy from and where we invest in, right? So environmental social and governance can also be implemented into the mining operation itself, you know, as far as a junior mining operation, they could follow the same ESG uh, type of standards that mm-hmm. we would use to pick those investments. So as an investor, ESG will drive financing to compliant opportunities. Mining operations and development will seek ESG to attract financial interests, right? And uh, and all that. So it all plays a big, a big factor, a big role. Well, what's exciting is I think that the, the junior mining industry, it's like a new generation mm-hmm. of, of miners that are, that are finding these deposits, exploring them, and, and doing all the work. The millennial to, miners. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's, it's a very exciting opportunity for those companies right. that are uh, playing by today's standards. And I think as an investor, there's, there's some great opportunities right. out there. And thinking outside the box. I, I mean, that's why I love, you know, this, there's this big transition of people that play, uh, not play, sorry, but work in the industry that are coming in, millennials, let's say, that are born in the... Uh, you know, in the 80s and 90s and 70s. And they're they're actually becoming the, you know, managing and productive and operational staff of these mining operations. And I love the idea of bringing some fresh ideas, fresh uh, outlook on, yes, we can make a difference, right? So mm-hmm. now take us down the, uh, the ROI profitability uh, side of things, that part of the equation. You know, how does green mining affect the economics and the ROI? Well, again, I think at the end of the day, um, the efficiencies in technology are constantly improving. And documents like the Preliminary Economic Assessment, the PEA, the Bankable Feasibility Study, will take in all of these factors and and uh, create an internal rate of return for the project. And it's my opinion, along with the intangible, you know, if profit is, if profit is only measured by dollars... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there could be some areas that are, are that need to be extrapolated. Mm-hmm. Okay, because if you're taking these these green initiatives, which have value to them, mm-hmm. and you're amortizing them over the course of the, the duration of a project, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's going to be site specific. Every project's going to be different. On but its own I don't merits, think, yeah. you know, if anyone is suggesting that the green initiative is going to have a negative impact on the profitability of a project. I would beg to differ myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, because we've just established the fact that it's not just about profit because there's cost. You know, carbon footprint is a cost. Right. Uh, cutting down trees, there's a cost. Right. Pollution uh, and waste being has a cost. Dis- disrespectful or not uh, engaging indigenous people properly, there's a cost. Or the key stakeholders yeah, has a so, cost. Absolutely. So, so there's other costs besides you can't really trickle all to like dollars and cents. There's correct. there's uh, there's intangible costs that also come with it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Excellent discussion. You know what? The future of green mining, uh, I feel, looks bright. And uh, with more of us talking about it and more people, you know, chiming in, uh, I think we're in the right direction. I think uh, one of the articles we were looking at. The, the headline was the future of mining looks bright. And I would oh, like to that's say <laughs> the future looks so bright, you've got to wear shades, right? Shades, right? Sunglasses. Sunglasses. Sunglasses, yeah. right. Uh, little, little 
Shout out to Huey Lewis there, everyone. Huey Lewis in the news. Yeah. If you don't know who they are, look them up. Well, with that being said, John, guess what? I think it's time for our spotlight. Excellent. Looking forward to it. This week's spotlight has been brought to you by Tardison Nickel. Tardison is drilling its Kenbridge Nickel Sulfide project in Ontario to expand the resource and meet the needs of the rapidly growing EV battery market. Class 1 nickel is an essential component in battery production and a critical element in the North American supply chain. The Kinbridge Nickel deposit indicates there is significant potential to expand the mineral resource estimate with additional high-grade targets at the Kinbridge North site. Tardison Nickel, TN on the CSE. Great. So this week's spotlight, uh, let's we're talking about new heights for nickel prices. This is amazing, John. We've talked about this in previous episodes. And here we are with a, a bona fide real article here. And this is a very recent article, July 20th, from metalbulletin.com. It's in our bio. Nickel likely to hit $20,500 per ton in Q3. So they're forecasting on strong stainless EV demand. And this is from uh, city metal strategist, um, Oliver Nugent. Nugent. He uh, basically is saying, despite a sell-off across metals on July 19th, he told Fast Markets that nickel fundamentals remain strong for Q3, and he expects the price to rise further. Mm -hmm. Well, the reason I like this number is we've talked about what number will it take to incentivize these junior miners mm -hmm. to take the risk, mm -hmm. risk reward, right? Take the risk to explore these projects, to 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 come to production decisions, uh, and potentially contribute to the forthcoming supply gap right. in right. battery Before metals we dig that we this, keep talking about. Yeah. So we've always talked about the fact that that number is actually twenty thousand dollars or ten dollars, twenty thousand a ton. Yeah. Or $10 I was going to ask, pound. break that down. So twenty thousand dollars U.S. per ton per works ton. out to approximately ten dollars, give or take ten dollars, ten dollars a pound. So when you break it down per pound, what are we at today? About eight forty, eight fifty, somewhere in that range. A little higher, but I mean, you know, they're they're talking about you know approximately a twenty percent increase. increase. In the next three months. In the next three months, the next 90 days. Yeah. And uh, very significant, in my opinion. And if you look at the trend of um, a lot of the battery metals prices, you know, everything has peaks and valleys, but the trend yeah. is higher. The hires are higher and the lowers are higher. The $20,500 range being about $10 per pound. You and I always shared in the sentiment, John, that we always felt by the end of this year, Q4, that we would be at that level, right? But th yeah, these guys yeah. are talking about, hey, three months earlier, three we months could earlier, be there. Exactly. So this and is moving a lot faster than I first expected. Th well, this is why it's, again, I'm, the other fact is that, um, can you call it, there's an article, two years or... Oh, yeah. Yeah. We were reading an article on uh, two years or forget it, basically. I forget the headline. But the situation is that at, in, in North America, and we talked about the fact that Battery metals are what most well-suited for the continent that they exist on. So the demand is created in North America in this case. The supply should also come from North America. Right. So um, one of the articles we were looking at is the fact that if you're not going to do something in the next two years, you might you, you as well forget, forget about it. Okay? Right. You're too late. And, and the fact that this $20,000 per ton number is so significant, again, it will incentivize the juniors to start to fill this supply gap because the 
The alternative would be you're going to be buying uh, from potentially China, somewhere internationally. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to branch off here and go down another little analogy or a little visual for you. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the show back in the 80s and 90s, Star Trek Next Generation? It was probably the 90s, actually. Right. Um Next Generation, I think it was the next. Star Trek Next Generation, Jean-Luc Picard. Right. They had a a few episodes on the Borg. Okay, the Borg was this uh, continuum, this this, uh, resistance is futile. Basically, it was an alien race that would go around consuming everything around them. Okay? Yeah. Similar to the way I look at the fact. Resistance is futile. I remember Controls 75% of the global battery metal supply, approximately, Mm -hmm. of what is existing. And manufacturing, I think, right? So, you know, if we're not going to produce the product domestically, the option, the the alternative may very well be to buy from from the Borg. From the Borg, yeah. Yeah. That would be a horrible, horrible thought. With that being said, we've reached the end of the show, John. Excellent show, Leo. Perfect. So thanks for joining us. We hope to see you next week, everybody. Don't miss it. Let us know what's on your mind. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is GreenNickel101. We'd love to hear from you. We will answer any questions in our next episode and be sure to leave comments and opinions. And remember, we upload new episodes every single Monday. And until next time, think nickel and have Have a a green day. day. Goodbye, everybody. TARDIS and Nickel, traded on the Canadian Stock Exchange, symbol TN, or over-the-counter, symbol TTSRF. 